So I thought it would be lovely to get somebody to come and tell us a little bit of what it means to them now that they've given their life to Jesus and to talk about the new lifestyle, which really is our theme for this evening. So Kim is very, very bravely going to tell us her story and Alice is going to come and interview her just to um, help her with that. And although I'm the weaker brother, I'm still going to move the lectern. Um, good evening, everybody. Um, so I'm just going to ask Kim to introduce herself to you guys. Hello, I'm Kim Dempsey. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, your character, um, who you would describe yourself as? Just happy-go-lucky, bubbly personality. Um, just to elaborate on that, for those of you that don't know Kim, I would describe her as Bridget Jones of East Belfast. Um, anything funny, unfortunate that can happen has probably happened to Kim, so if you ever need cheering up, she'll probably have a story for you. Um, but these are not the only kind of things that have happened to you, Kim. Um, there's one particular incident um, that really was the start of your whole journey. Um, could you tell us about that and how it impacted on your life? Right. It was the, the assault of my husband in 2011. We went out for an hour and it ended up disaster. He went to intensive care for seven weeks and passed away. I was left with three children, aged nine, 13 and 18. It was the day before my son's birthday. So that's still always hard day for us to celebrate his birthday. My world fell apart. Paranoia, fearful struggles, insomnia, PTSD. Most of the days I couldn't get off the sofa. I didn't trust anybody. I resigned from work and got into debt as I had no life insurance for Joe. I also didn't have the money for the funeral. So I got into debt for that because I was too young to be a widow. Yep, um, and so Kim, can you tell us how you got from that to coming to church for the first time? Because obviously that's quite a yep. horrible thing to have happened. How did that turn around for you? My wee son always came and he went to Active Youth and he looked up to David Jardine, Doogie, the lads. Then I took sick with cellulitis and he came in, he opened the door, Mum, I'm only out of church, I got you prayed for. So I thought, right Kim, you either lie here and let it kill you or you get up and do something with your life. So I walked to the corner of Willowfield Street, my lady's road, hesitated, stopped, looked, seen two that was there the night my husband was assaulted, and I thought, right, you keep either walking back to your old life or you walk through the doors. So I came to um, church that night, and I know it was God calling me because it wasn't somebody touched me. It was, it was a breath that just froze, and I thought, I really need to do this. Um, so can you tell us about your first experience of that first night at Willowfield? Well, I didn't know anybody, but they were all friendly. I kept coming in and out. I was crying a lot, and I thought, what's happening to me? So one of the preachers was doing a service and said, there's someone sitting on the fence here. And when he asked who would want prayed for, my hand shot up straight away, and I didn't care about anyone who was looking at me, because I know it was about me, and I wanted to give my life. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about how different life is now that you've got God in it? I can breathe better. I can uh, have my family support. My kids are back to sort of normality. We distance ourselves from each other. That's part of grieving. I have forgiven those who done it, but I cannot forget because I was there. But I have peace in my heart because I know that God loves me and he has a purpose for me. 
And all I want is my little children to grow up and be happy in the church too. That's brilliant, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Thank you both very, very much. Uh, it's always it's so exciting, I think, when we hear someone's story and hear what God has done in their life. And, you know, lots of you may have seen Kim across the side of the church or you may never have spoken to her. But isn't it lovely that now you know her story and you know what God has done in her life? I'm not sure I really need to say very much after that, but I better, just in case, because, you know, the tea might not be ready if I was to stop yet. But So I'm going to try and take us on a bit of a whistle-stop th through this passage that I read, lots, picking out some of the th key things that I feel God has been highlighting to me about this new lifestyle that God calls us into when we give our lives to him. You know, he wants us to move forward, to embrace the new life that he has given us, just as Kim has said. And that new life has a new relationship at the center of it, a new relationship with God who has forgiven us, who has adopted us into his family, and so new relationships within his family. And out of that comes new attitudes towards other people, as Kim also has reminded us. And new ways of behaving, which are primarily for our good and for the good of those around us. And, you know, that part of this moving forward, which is, you know, it's a constant thing. We constantly need to be moving forward in our relationship with God and in our walk with him, in our new lifestyle. So that our relationship with him needs to constantly grow and develop and our relationships with others as well. Our relationship with God, because we move from being at war with God, in rebellion against God, into being his child in relationship with him. Instead of avoiding God, we deliberately seek him out, spend time with him, and grow in our relationship with him. And gosh, that's another plug for 50 days of 24-7 prayer, a time for us to spend time with God and deliberately seek him out. And then it is also to impact our relationship with the people we relate to, the people we live with, the people we work with, the people we worship with, the people we, we socialize with. And this passage seems to me to highlight one key word that runs through all those different relationships, and that is a lifestyle of respect. Respect for each other and respect for ourselves. You know, we are precious and valuable Jesus paid a massive price for your eternal life. Jesus went to the cross. You are precious and valuable. And it's really important that we treat each other with respect. We treat ourselves with respect, but also we treat others with respect. And this passage makes it so clear that how we behave really matters. How we behave within the family, how we behave within marriage, and how we behave within the family of God. Chapter 2, verse 17, respect everyone and love the family of believers. So this word respect, so key in this passage. And I'm going to use the letters to pick out points that I think are helpful for me anyway. Good hints about how to live a life that pleases God. So the first R, responsibility. Peter challenges the Christians to make sure that the way they live 
demonstrates Jesus to the people around them. He makes this very clear to Christian women whose, life, whose husbands may not yet know Jesus. But all of us have family, friends who are not Christians. And we all share the responsibility of living lives that count. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And 1 Peter 3, first two verses, they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. People watch how we live, especially if they know we're Christians. They're fascinated to see, are we really any different? Will it last? Will they be able to keep up this new lifestyle? So we have a responsibility to make choices about how we live that will help other people to meet Jesus. R, responsibility. E, excuse. Chapter 2, verse 16. Peter says, don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. We are free. We are forgiven. We are, have a clean slate. God has washed away all our sin. But don't use that as an excuse to make bad choices. He's forgiven our sins. We are free from them. But it would be easy, wouldn't it, to excuse our bad behavior. And Paul Peter, sorry, Peter calls a spade a spade and says, calls it sin. R, responsibility. E, excuse. S, submit or give way. Now, you know, this is a hard one for me because I am a fiercely competitive person. I mean, I don't like to give way in a game of Scrabble or any other thing. You can imagine a table quiz in our house is quite a competitive thing. I actually don't often take part in church table quizzes because I might let myself down by being really very, very competitive. But I am over the years slowly learning that it's not essential to win, that sometimes it's okay to give way. Sometimes it's the fun of doing things together that is more important than winning. And you know, within any marriage, two fiercely competitive people have got to learn that at some point it's better to submit and to give way. Within marriage, Peter is challenging us that we need to honor and respect each other. The uh, NLT translation puts verse 7, which is Peter's challenge to husbands. Treat your wife with understanding. Now, isn't that an intriguing word? Because actually, to really understand somebody... To understand their peculiarities, what makes them tick, the things that matter to them, what maybe um, helps them, what hinders their behavior. That really takes time and trouble to get to know someone. Spending time listening to them, hearing their story, investing time and energy and patience and kindness into our relationships is part of the challenge of the new lifestyle that Christ calls us into. It's about seeing how much we can do to benefit our spouse rather than how much we can do to benefit ourselves out of the relationship. And that's true of every relationship within God's kingdom. It's about what can we do to help and bless and bring the best out of the people in our lives. R, responsibility. E, excuse. S, submit. P, peace. 
just after the verses where I finished reading, I had to cheat to find a plea. I'm sorry about that. But we get the encouragement to search for peace and work to maintain it. And, you know, there's nothing um, as bad in family life as there is when mum spends her life trying to keep the peace between the kids fighting amongst each other. And on Mother's Day, you know, there's probably a number of mums who can identify with that challenge to keep the peace. But actually, this is an encouragement to all of us of the importance of trying to find peaceful ways of living and uh, not actually fighting amongst ourselves or falling out with each other like squabbling children, wherever we can avoid it, to try to find peace in our relationships, to make peace, not war. Then the next E is equal. Peter makes it clear that we are all equal at the cross. We, each one of us, need Jesus to save us, to forgive us our sins. We, each of us, needed him to die on the cross for us individually. So none of us should be too impressed with ourselves None of us should take a superior attitude to anybody else. And the slaves are told to respect their masters and to have respect for, but we are all told to have respect for everybody in authority. We are all equal. Husbands and wives are different, but equal. His letter sets out a challenge to slaves, to wives, to husbands, and to all believers. Now, by implication, that means we all need to be challenged about how we live and how we treat each other and what we think about each other, which actually means that nobody has got it all right. We all trip up. We all think of ourselves in some way as being better than somebody else. So let's go back to the beginning. R, responsibility. E, excuse. S, submit. P, peace. E, equal. C, Christians. Perhaps it goes without saying, but this new lifestyle is only possible because of Christ, what he has done for us. For those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, let's never get over the wonder of the cross. Let's never get over the wonder that Jesus, the Son of God, left all the glory of heaven to come to earth to be born as a very vulnerable, fragile baby in order to grow up, to teach us how to live and point us towards God the Father and ultimately to die on the cross to, so that our sins can be forgiven and to make a way for us to be reconciled with God. And if you haven't yet made that choice, if you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, don't leave here tonight until you've done that because we would love to have the opportunity of talking and praying with you later. And finally, T, tender-hearted. Be kind. Let's be really careful that we treat people well. Keep humble and be realistic about ourselves. I am not perfect and neither are you. We are all sinners saved by grace. And being tender-hearted, being kind, means being aware of our own mistakes and therefore more quick to make allowances for others. If we can keep a right 
perspective about ourselves, our weaknesses as well as our strengths, it helps us in making makes a massive difference in helping us to understand each other and to get along with each other. I'll just do it one more time. Respect, which is the key that Peter is asking us, challenging us to treat each other with respect as we live this new lifestyle that Jesus has given us. Our responsibility, our, our responsibility to make sure that the way we live demonstrates Jesus and his power and his wonderful love to people around us. E, excuse. Let's not make our freedom an excuse to do evil. Let's not make the fact that Jesus has forgiven us an excuse to treat people badly. S, submit, give way. It's not always important to win. It is much more important to live in such a way that other people will meet Jesus. P, peace. Search for peace and work to maintain it. E, equal. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. We all need Jesus. C, it's all about Christ. If you haven't met him yet, please, please receive his invitation to start this new lifestyle tonight. And T, be tender-hearted, be kind, be compassionate, recognize that none of us are perfect, and that being kind to each other can make such a difference to what some happens in somebody else's day. A smile, a kind word can make the, all the difference. Do you know the nicest thing that's happened to me today? Whereas when, don't tell him I said this, when my son came down the stairs this morning, gave me a big hug, hug and said, happy Mother's Day, Mum, I love you. I didn't get flowers, but I got a hug. And that probably meant more. A few kind words from people around us, to people around us, from us reflecting the love of Jesus is the new lifestyle that Jesus calls us into when he gives us a whole new life and hope. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you that we have the privilege of being part of your family. Thank you for the offer of a new life and a new start. Thank you for what Jesus won for each one of us on the cross. And tonight, would you help us to choose to live our lives in such a way that other people will see Jesus in us. That through our words and our actions, we will reflect your love, your kindness, your forgiveness, and a hope of a new life that goes on into eternity with you forever and ever. We pray that through our lives this week, other people will come to see you and to know you and to love you for themselves. And that we would find this new lifestyle to be one of joy and peace and just so much better than anything else we could ever have known. Amen.